worship team's been spending some extra time getting ready for all the things going on with the Christmas season, getting some special numbers going. They were here Thursday night. They were here yesterday morning. We appreciate their, their time to get together. Most unusual ministry in a church is, is worship. Most everything else is done. You know, you teach, you, you, uh, you greet, you usher. You Most of those things are all done. It's, it's uh, individual ministry. Sometimes we come together and do things together. But they, they operate as a team. And that takes practice, and that takes getting together, and we appreciate their willingness to do that. Well, we're going to be over in the Christmas story here as we continue our series on Learn to Discern. We're going to be looking at Luke and Matthew. I don't know if you heard the news, but uh, uh, the, the president was involved in talking about the Bible this week, and I saw some things that came across on Facebook about it, and they were getting on his case about it. I didn't quite understand why they were getting on his case on this. I don't know if you heard this. I was trying to find a direct quote on it. But he was uh, talking about the Christmas holiday and how it's a holiday that's celebrated by uh, believers and non-believers. Something along those lines. People who believed in Jesus Christ and people who didn't believe in Jesus Christ. And people were getting on them and said, no, this is a Christian holiday. It's not. But I'm thinking, well, no, non-Christians celebrate Christmas as much as Christians do, don't they? <laughs> I mean, we've got a whole lot of people going out to the store buying Christmas trees and, and buying Christmas lights and buying Christmas presents and open them up on Christmas Day and all these different things that they're doing. So I'm not quite sure why they were getting on them for, for that particular thing. That, uh, that seems to be just fine. I'm, uh, I, don't have the, I couldn't find the exact quote, but uh, it just jumped to me. and said, why are they picking on them for that? That certainly is not right. But then he continued to go on, and he talked about how that Joseph and Mary were immigrants. No, they weren't immigrants. They, uh, he tried to use it as something to justify his uh, immigration thing that he was doing. They were not immigrants. They went to their homeland. They went to their home country. They went to the place where he was born because he had to go pay taxes. They didn't have online service. <laughs> so he actually had to go and pay the bill in, in person. And as they were going there, of course, they were in the Bethlehem where, where Joseph was born. And um, had, to, had to do that there. So they were not immigrants. They were not in a foreign country. They were not homeless. I'm not sure why all that sort of stuff got in there, but... Um, that, that did. There were some other things that are going on with the Bible. There are some people who probably just ought not to talk about the Bible. <laughs> I, have a, I have one particular preacher I, I like to listen to. He was a pastor, and he's, uh, he's one of the best people I know of to listen to on leadership in the church. I've heard him a handful of times teach about the Bible, and I'm just thinking, you just ought to stop about that. Because <laughs> it was not good. <laughs> It was not good. You just keep talking where God's putting your anointing. That's, you just stay in that area. And, and so I listened to him in that area. He's wonderful in that area. I love his heart in it. But tell you what, I've heard him teach the Bible a few times. And I'm thinking, dear Lord, that's not good. But anyway, thank God we can find out where it is that God has anointed us and stay there. Brother Keith Moore says, stay where your grace is. <laughs> stay the area where you're graced in. That's, uh, I've heard other people, they talk about it, swim in your own lane. Yeah, that's another good way to put it. But anyway, Luke chapter 1. We're going to look at some of the ways, some of the special ways that God speaks to us because we're learning to discern the voice of, the, of God. Some of the special ways that God speaks to us. And here we have in Luke chapter 1, one of the special ways that, that God uh, did this. And this is with Mary in verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. You know that most times that an angel shows up to talk to people about something, it's always good. Most of the time. I don't, there's, hardly a, there's a few times when it wasn't quite as good as it could be or 
you know, when the angels showed up at the Sodom and Gomorrah, that wasn't good. But he had good news for Lot anyway. He at least had some good news there for, for, for them. But he shows up here with Mary. And I don't know what your response would be if you saw an angel that showed up in your house and, and wherever it was you were. And they came to you and said, rejoice, highly favored one. Now, angels are awesome in presence. This is Gabriel. And they just have an awesome presence. And you are just in the, in the midst of awesomeness. I mean, you're talking about a totally sinless creature. And they're standing in front of you. And you know we all got sin. God's taken care of it and done some things with it, but we still got sin. And here is a perfectly sinless creature, awesome in their appearance. And um, you're standing there. Most times people bow down. Most times people uh, were at a loss of what to do. I have not been in that situation, so I can't say that I would do any better than most of them had done. Probably wouldn't. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now, if your kids come into you and start talking about how good you are, you know the hammer's coming. You know they're going to tell you about something they broke or something they did or something that just wasn't right. Anytime anybody comes in, you know, if your boss comes in or coworker comes in and starts talking to you about how good you are, how, how uh, blessed they are to have you, and all, you're thinking, oh, all right, what are you setting me up for? Well, uh, I don't know that she was thinking this, but sometimes we can, we can certainly do that. But uh, I put in your outline here, most often when an angel brings news, it is good. Most of the time when an angel comes and brings news, it is good. When there is bad news that an angel has, they generally have to be asked. You don't generally offer it up. They generally have to be asked. If you ask them, they will tell you the bad news. But generally, they, when they come, they bear good news. Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. Doesn't that seem kind of funny? He says something very positive, very uplifting, and she was troubled. At his saying, and consider, considered what manner of greeting this was. Hmm. Why are you coming here? Why are you talking to me like this? Why, why are you greeting me in this way? Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Do not be afraid. Now, that's something that the angels say a whole lot of times, but he didn't start off saying this. A lot of times the angels come and say, Do not be afraid. Jesus comes and he makes his appearance on the, on the water. Do not be afraid. Jesus makes his appearance after the resurrection. Do not be afraid. Uh, but this angel came and said all kinds of good things. And then when she reacted poorly, he said, oh, I guess we've got to go back to this. All right. Do not be afraid, Mary, <laughs> for you have found favor with God. So Mary became troubled. Now, this is the vision. She has seen a vision of an angel has actually shown up right there in front. Um, there he is. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom and of his kingdom. There will be no end. That sounds pretty good. But behold, you will conceive in your womb, bring forth a son, shall call his name Jesus. Well, of course, be Mary, you know, she's betrothed to a man, but she's still a virgin. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? Now, it is, uh, it is not ever wrong to question God. Understand, sometimes people are afraid to ask God questions. Sometimes people are afraid to question God. It is never wrong to question God. It is wrong to question God in unbelief. 
She is not questioning God in unbelief. She is in faith. And she's just saying, all right, that's all good. But how's that going to happen? Because I know how babies are made. And that hasn't happened yet. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that holy one who is to be born will be called the son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative has also conceived a son in her old age and is now in the sixth month for her who has who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. So this one was barren, but she's got a baby. You haven't uh, known a man yet, but you're going to have a baby. Because with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So when she got it explained how it was going to happen, she's okay with it. There's still some problems here. Mary's going to live with some of these problems. And, you know, because an unmarried woman having a baby, most people are not going to believe her story if she was allowed to tell it. And she knows that. And she says, if I even tell anybody, who's going to believe me about this thing? But I'm going to go over to Elizabeth because Elizabeth will believe me. Because she's got a, a baby and it's uh, of God. She'll, uh, she'll, she'll be support for me. So she goes over there to have some support. That's a good thing to do. It's nice to have people that are around that will that'll help you out with that. But she says, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. That's all the angel needed. The angel needed something on her part. And this was it. She said, all right, go ahead and do it. As you said it, go ahead and do it. That's all he needed. And he departed. But he had to get that. He had to get her to say, it's okay. I'm going to, I'm going to believe for this. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm uh, here at your disposal to be used. So let it be, let it be to me according to your word. As we said, this is all the angel needed. And, uh, and he departed. Now a vision when it happens. It uh, generally is very real. Sometimes it is actually the angel that's there. Sometimes you have a uh, just a vision. Sometimes you've been caught up. People can't always discern the real from the uh, unreal in a vision. It's very, very strong, very evident. There's some other places where a vision happened. Daniel had a vision of the king's dream. Nebuchadnezzar dreamed a dream. He knew what the dream was, but he knew this dream had significance and he wanted it to be interpreted. Called all his wise men. The wise men said, uh, tell us a dream. We'll give you the interpretation. He says, no, I want you to qualify that you can interpret this. So I want you to tell me the dream. Once you tell me the dream, then you can tell me the interpretation. And they said, no king has ever asked this. This is unreasonable. He said, nevertheless, I'm asking to get it done. And they said, we can't do it. You got to tell us a dream first. He said, all right, you're all frauds. We're going to kill you all. and We're going to start over again. So they're ready to kill them all. And, and Daniel gets word of it. And he says, hold on a minute. Uh, tell the king, I'll have the dream for him tomorrow. He gets together with his guys and said, we need to find out what's going on here. God needs to tell us. So the king had a dream. A dream happens when you are asleep. That's pretty easy, isn't it? How many of you remember any dreams you had last night? I don't remember the last time I had a dream. I'm sure that I have. People tell you that you dream all the time, but I don't necessarily remember them. They, uh, they come about. But um, Daniel did not have a dream like the king had a dream. He had a vision. A vision happens when you are awake. A dream happens when you are asleep. Daniel did not go to sleep. He sought after the Lord, and the Lord gave him the dream. He saw what the king saw in his, in his dream, and he got the interpretation. Peter had a vision on the rooftop. When he was on the rooftop, he got a vision of this cloth that came down. Three times it came down with all the unclean uh, animals on it. And the Lord said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. He said, No, Lord, nothing unclean has ever entered my body. And he said, what I have called clean, do not call unclean. He said, this happened three times. And then he had the uh, instructions to go with the men who came to the door. 
And he didn't quite, he was pondering the vision as to what it meant. We talked about that when we were going through the book of Acts. He pondered what it meant. Many people have come away with the, with the thought that that means all food is clean. And certainly it does, uh, but that's not the meaning of the dream or the vision. The meaning of the vision was much deeper than that. Otherwise, Peter wouldn't have been contemplating what the dream, what the vision meant. But there was more to it. And we, if you go on that part of Acts, you'll find out he found out what it was, and he talks about it. But here in Matthew chapter 1, we have the other half. Now, once Mary had this vision, and I'm sure that the uh, vision came to Mary first, and she had this vision of the angel, and the angel explained these things were going to happen. Well, if you were Mary, and you were betrothed to Joseph, and an angel came and told you about this, you're going to go to Elizabeth's house, but what would you do first? I mean, you wouldn't just leave your fiancé, just leave him and go away. No, she probably had a conversation with him and said, hey, had this vision, angel showed up, this is what he said. She probably isn't telling this to everybody, but she certainly told it to Joseph, which would mean Joseph didn't believe her. Because look how it opens up. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. That tells you what? He didn't believe it. She came and probably told him. And he says, uh-huh, yeah, right, okay. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, he's a just man. I don't want to embarrass Mary, but uh, we're not going to go through with this. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Dream means he was asleep. And he dreamed this thing. It wasn't quite the, uh, the vision. It wasn't quite the appearing of an angel that, that uh, Mary saw. But in the dream, this is what is, is said. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. So we got the name. We got some of the things that, that uh, the baby's going to do. But think about this from Joseph's point of view. You've already been told all these things from Mary. She had a vision of an angel. Or the angel actually just appeared, whatever it was. But she saw the angel. She was not asleep. She had this conversation. I'm sure she relayed 100% of the conversation that she had with Joseph. And then Joseph has a dream. If you had a dream about a conversation you just had with somebody, how many of you are thinking, well, it's just because of the conversation I had? Because what he hears in the dream is no different than what Mary would have told him that she heard. Well, Jesus, all right, that's what Mary said we're supposed to call him. That's nothing new. So he's not really getting a whole lot of help in the dream. But the dream was real enough that when he woke up, he thought this was, this was a real dream. God gave me a dream and told me what I'm supposed to do. So he's supposed to take Mary for his wife. And, um, and he did that. He listened to the dream. But the dream is not quite as drastic as a vision. It's not quite as drastic as an angel showing up. How many of you would like to have an angel show up and tell you what you're supposed to do? You ever thought that? You get discouraged about the direction you're going. You're not quite sure what's, what's happening. It seems to be kind of tough. God, I just wish you'd take one of them angels and just show one up here and tell me what I'm supposed to do. That'd just be so much easier. Oh, I just like that. Or, you know, if you're not going to show up, then just give me a dream. 
give me a dream that tells me what I'm supposed to do, where I'm supposed to go, how I'm supposed to do it, when I'm supposed to start, who I'm supposed to work with, whatever it's supposed to be. Just give me a dream. Tell me what's going on. Whatever it is that you want me to do, I'll do it. But, you know, just just tell me because I'm not sure. It seems like I try this. I go out this way. And, well, I'm just not quite sure that I'm finding your way. I, I want to find your way. I want to do your the thing that you want me to do. And so we do that, and uh, we haven't had a dream, and we haven't had a vision, and we haven't had an angel show up, and they haven't told us what we're supposed to do, and we're still out there trying to, to figure some things out. Brother Hagen used to tell us, tell us, I don't know how many times he told us this, told us this over and over and over. He said that the, the test and trial that will come for the direction that you're going after were directly proportional to the revelation you received. I'm paraphrasing, but it's along those, those lines. That if the stronger the revelation that comes, the stronger the opposition. The stronger the revelation that comes, the stronger the opposition. If you get a vision, you will have great opposition. Paul, on his way to Damascus, had a vision. And he had great opposition. Peter had a vision. And he had great opposition. The stronger the revelation the greater the opposition. It's going to be tough. You're going to face some things. He would tell us, and at the same time he would tell us that, he said, he thanks God for that still, small voice that comes up on the inside of you. He said, you obey that, you hardly face anything. But the stronger the revelation, it's harder. Now, there's a reason for it, and it never seems like the revelation is so strong that it'll carry you through. There's always an amount of faith to it. Can you imagine the amount of faith that it took for Mary, if an angel showing up before you, telling you all this stuff, you are still going to face opposition that would cause you to want to quit. Pretty strong. Now, what came against Joseph wasn't quite as strong. He got a dream. It wasn't quite as strong for him, but it was going to be very strong for Mary. She had to face a lot of that. A lot of people back in that day saw a pregnant girl. They, all right, we know about you. She had to face that. She had to face that all the time that uh, she was raising her family. Yeah, we know about Mary. Let me tell you some things about her. That's tough. It's a hard thing for her to, to stay with. But she had that vision. She kept coming back to it. Now, I know what God told me. She held, held these things in her heart. Joseph, the same thing. He got a dream. And he went ahead and obeyed it. But you've got to know the opposition that came against Joseph was stronger than that dream. If he took Mary on his wife, that meant he's just as guilty as she is, even though he's not. In the eyes of people, he was going to be. Where do we leave off at? 23? 23. Verse 24, Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth his firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. Well, he had this, this dream. And as soon as he had the dream... He got up and he did the thing that he was told to do. The biggest thing, folks, that we got to do is obey what God tells us. When God speaks to us, when God says, do this thing, we just need to obey. The longer we take to obey, the less God can trust us. And you want to get something strong as far as the revelation goes? If you haven't listened to the still small voice, why is God going to waste his time giving you something so strong? Because you'll never handle the opposition. There's great opposition that comes. If you look through the Word of God and you look at all the people who had, who had great revelation, great opposition came their way. 
It was tough. It was hard. There was another person who had a dream named Joseph. In the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 37, begin at verse 3. I don't think I wrote that in your outline, but you can write that in if you like. We're going to go 3 through 11. Now, Joseph loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a, a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. So they all got united against Joseph because Joseph is the favorite. We're not. He is. And they just didn't like that. There's a lot of other reasons that went on because Joseph was uh, of such great character. He was in, put in charge of the brothers. He had to tell them some things when they weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. Now, Joseph had a dream. Something really key inside this we need to learn. Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf rose and also stood upright, and indeed your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brother said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us, or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and the eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in heart. So he has a dream, and he tells the dream to his brothers, and he tells the dream to his father, and the brothers hate him even more. They hated him before. They hate him even more now. It just stirred them up to just hate him, and they were offended at him, and Nothing good came from that. Now, here's the key that you need to learn about this. Most dreams that you will dream, most dreams that you will dream are for you, not others. Most dreams that you dream are for you, not others. Go through the Word of God and look at the dreams. When God gave a dream, it was generally for the person who received it. Joseph received the dream, but when he tells it to other people, when you have a dream, you hear the dream in light of your walk, in light of where you're going. When somebody else hears your dream, they hear it in light of their walk and their revelation. It wasn't given to them. It was given to you. It was given to you because of your walk and your revelation and where you are, because you would understand what it's supposed to mean. You are not to give it to other people. What would happen if Joseph told this dream to his neighbor? Joseph, the, the, the Joseph of the New Testament. If he told the dream about the angel, if he told it to his neighbor, how would the neighbor take this? The neighbor would take, well, you want me to respect you that you didn't have sex outside of marriage. So you're telling me this dream. So they interpret it in light of their own, their own walk, their own way. That's not why Joseph would have been telling it. But that's what they would hear. That's ridiculous. There's, there's, there's no reason to tell that. Joseph here in the Old Testament is telling this dream to people who didn't get the dream. Why didn't they get the dream? Because they did not have a walk that would sustain it, that would, that would understand it. It wasn't given to them. It was given to Joseph. If God is speaking you through a dream, he is speaking to you through a dream. He's not speaking to everybody. 
He's speaking to you. Let him speak to you. Hear what he has to say. If it's something for you, you'll know it. If it's just a dream, people dream dreams all the time. They're not all meaningful. Well, amen. I mean, thank God that not all your dreams mean something. If you remember one and you got that dream and, boy, that was a weird dream. Thank God it doesn't mean anything. But God may sometimes speak to you through a dream. But if he does, the dream is for you. It's for you. Who did he give it to? Gave it to you. So who's the dream for? You. You. See, this is where Joseph got himself into trouble. He was speaking something that God was giving him revelation on to people who didn't have the same light he was walking in. And so they immediately heard it wrong. The brothers heard this dream. What do you mean we're bowing down to you? The dream was not about them bowing down. The dream was about Joseph and the leadership position he was going to be in. That was what it was about. It was not about his father bowing down and his mother bowing down. It was about Joseph and the position he would hold. But when his father heard it, what's he say? Your mom and I are going to bow down to you? Come on, son. What are you thinking? I mean, you're messed up on this dream thing here. It wasn't for his father. He wasn't the one who was supposed to be, be walking in all this. Joseph was. The dream was for Joseph. It was getting Joseph ready for what was to come. But Joseph started telling it to other people. It wasn't for them. It was for him. And so other people got mad at him and decided to throw him in a pit. They were going to kill him. And they said, now let's just sell him into slavery. And of course, we see how the whole thing un- un- unfolded. That uh, God you know, used him in that place over there in Egypt and moved him up through the ranks. And even though he kept moving down, God moved him up through the ranks. And, and we look at that and say, well, God had a purpose in it. God had a purpose. If Joseph hadn't shared that dream, then he wouldn't have been sold into slavery. And then he wouldn't have been put into the prison. And he wouldn't have been brought up out of there to take care of Pharaoh's stuff. No, that's wrong. God does not need man to do certain things in order to accomplish his plans. It would have been accomplished another way. Just because it got accomplished that way does not mean it was the only way it could be accomplished. How many have ever done something and it worked, but there was another way to do it? Probably a better way. <laughs> but, but it worked. You got it done. Dreams are meant for you. Not for others. Dreams tell you what to do, not others. When you start telling your dream to other people, other people are going to hear what they're supposed to do. What, you telling me because you had a dream I'm supposed to do this for you? That's wrong. You don't have a, a place in their life to tell them that. God gives you a dream. And generally you're going to keep it to yourself. And do what the dream said to do. If, if it was of God. Now, there are times that people have gotten to a level in their Christian walk that God may do something more. But most people are not there. In Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 31, it says, Behold, I am, a, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, who use their tongues and say, he says, Behold, I am against those who prophesy false dreams, says the Lord, and tell them and cause my people to err by their lies and by their recklessness. Yet I did not send them or command them. Therefore, they shall not profit this people at all, says the Lord. So people were coming. They said, I had a dream and God told us we are supposed to do this. Now, let's all get behind it and get going. And people would follow it. And he says, I'm not behind that. 
people are saying false things about me through dreams. And it is pretty easy to tell. You know, if you know the word, we've talked about this over and over again. You have got to know the word. Just because you believe a truth does not mean that truth is going to help you. The word of God tells us, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. If you mix in a lie to that truth or taint that truth in any way, that truth no longer has the ability to set you free, no matter how much you believe it. You have compromised the truth. You've got to know the truth. We've gone, how many times have we gone back into the book of Genesis and looked at Eve? Are you able to eat from any of the tree of the gardens? Well, no. We're allowed to eat of all the trees of the garden except this one. This one, we're not supposed to eat it or touch it lest we die. That's not what God said. God says, don't eat it. The day that you eat of it, you shall die. So since she didn't know the truth, the devil's able to mess with her. What's God really said? You shall not eat it or touch it? Probably said, you know, just reach up there and touch it a little bit. Wow, I didn't die. Well, first off, that wasn't the death that he was talking about. And he never said touch it. Never said touch it. But she said, eat it or touch it. See, that little, bit of, that little bit of false mixed into the truth compromised her and they gave an open door to the devil. God has not said that. He just knows that in the day that you eat of it, you're going to know both good and evil. He doesn't tell him right now all you know is good. How many want to know evil? That's what they sold out for. They sold out for the opportunity to know evil. They already knew good. But God knows good and evil, he says. And you can't operate in that unless you uh, eat of this tree. And God knows it, so he, does want, he wants to keep you from it. He wants to keep you from it. There's a lot of things that people have believed that the word says, thou shalt not do this because, and it's wrong. The Bible never said that. Never said that kind of a punishment. Never said thou, thou shalt not do this. But because they believe it, and then they step out and they, they try, oh, I didn't die. This must be okay. Then they begin to doubt the word. The truth shall set you free. You've got to know the truth. You've got to know the truth. If a dream comes and it tells you something apart from the Word of God, throw it out. Throw it out. I don't, care. I don't care how real the dream was. If you have a vision and an angel-like creature shows up in front of you and tells you something against the Word, throw it out. No matter what you have in the area of visions and dreams, nothing trumps the Word. Nothing. Nothing. You have got to be sold out that if the word says it, that's what I'm going to do. If the word says it, that's what I'm going to do. You know, one of the things that, that holds people back the most in, Christian, in their Christian life, their inability to change. How many of you like change? Think, think of some changes that happened in your life. You got fired from your job. Is that a change? Yeah, it's a change. How many of you, don't, don't raise your hands, but how many have ever been fired from a job and then because you were looking for a new job, found a job that was better? That was a good change. But when you first were walking in, how many of y'all know that was not, did not seem like a good change? You were down, you were depressed, wasn't, wasn't so good. There are times that we, the change has tried to come upon us and we resisted it because we don't like it. I don't want change. 
Now, the reason I say our inability to change holds us back is because many times we are doing things apart from the word. And when the word comes to correct us, we refuse to change because I've always done it this way. I'm used to this. This is my, my habit. This is my pattern. This is what I do. Yeah, but the word says this. You come into that revelation. No, I don't, no I, I, I can't do it. I can't change. I can't change our inability to change. We need to be able to change. That doesn't mean that you change at the drop of a hat. If God said something, stay with it. Don't let it go. Hang on with it. But if you see something in the word, you know, I've been doing that wrong. I thought I was supposed to do it this way. And God, I just saw in your word today that it, I'm supposed to do it this way. He says, yeah, that's right. I need to change that. Yes, you do. Mm-hmm. And then you change it. But you see, you always want to go back to how you were doing it before. Just about anything you can find this kind of an example in. But I know one of the easiest places I saw the example was um, uh, coaching some boys in basketball. There is a proper way to shoot a basketball. Very few people learn it. I'm not saying that I learned it, but I know how it's supposed to be done, and I know what it looks like when it's done. I know when you go up and you watch those guys in the NBA and you see them shoot the ball, you can see most of the, most all, not all, most all do it the way they're supposed to do it. And there's a there's a way that if you do it, the ball goes in more. It's just automatic. It just seems like it, it, it goes in more. I don't know if you ever saw this with with throwing a football. Somebody once taught me when we were just playing sandlot football. If you move your arm this way when you throw the football, if you start with the ball here, if you take the ball back to this point, and then if you throw and let it go like this, the ball will be more accurately thrown. i got to give that a try. And so I gave it a try. And I started where I was supposed where they said you're supposed to start. I took it back to where I was supposed to take it back to, and I let it fly. Doggone, that ball went, found its, its way a whole lot better than it did before. All I did was change the motion of the arm. I'm not saying I was ever a good quarterback. I was never a good quarterback. I would never threaten anybody's job. <laughs> but you know, just playing sandlot football, it, it went a whole lot better. Well, you know, you come upon some of these boys, and they're, they're shooting the way. Because you know, they just played out in the, the sandlot. They just played on the, the street. They're just going, going to town, and they just shot. And some of them became decent shooters for their competition. But, you know, every once in a while you come upon a, a few of them and their desire is to go to college and play basketball. And if they ever express that to me, I pull them aside and say, if you want to go to college and shoot basketball, you're not going to get there shooting like that. Yeah, but I, I make it in. So I don't care how often you make it in. They're not going to bring you in. You can't shoot it like that. You've got to shoot it this way. And I'd show them how to do it. Because I know how to do it. I can't say I pull it off all the time. I'm just telling you. But I, I know how you're supposed to shoot that basketball. And so they'd start shooting that way, and they'd miss. And they'd shoot it again, and they'd miss. And they were missing more often than they were hitting it. And they'd get discouraged and say, I'm going to go back to the way I did it. I said, if you do, you won't go to college on a basketball scholarship. Sometimes they listen to you, sometimes they don't. You know, it's, I don't know if they ever were good enough to become a basketball college person in that, but um, uh, that's what you've got to do. And uh, you know, we, were, we were kicking around in the YMCA. We were playing basketball with some guys, and there's this one uh, sweet man, I'll tell you, I just enjoyed whether I played opposite him or I played on his team. He just was, I just looked forward to so much when he was there and he played. He was a good shooter. He set every record, every shooting record at his college. And I forget which one. It was one of the ones here in Pennsylvania. Um, not a super huge, but it wasn't a small program either. It was a division, I believe it was a division one, but it just wasn't a huge program. He set every single scoring record there. 
and he did all kinds of stuff. He traveled all over the country playing for, he was, he was older than me, and he traveled all over the country playing, uh, and they, they, people would ask for him to come and, and to play. He was a good shooter, and he shot it exactly the way we told these guys to shoot it. Exactly. And he was good. He was, he was a, good shoot, good, a good shot. If I was playing on his team, I'd dribble the ball in, I'd, grab, I'd try and drive all the attention to me, and I'd pass the ball to him because I knew he'd hit it. I probably wouldn't. But he did it, and he did. He's good. But, you know, there's a way that you're supposed to do it, but it involves change. And when you first go through that change, you're, you're relearning some things. You're going to miss the basket a few times. It's not going to go in quite as much. But in the long term, it's going to help you out. And see, that's what we resist. When God comes along and he says, Steve, you need to change this. You've been doing it that way, and you've had some success, but you need to change it. We can get resistant to it, and we don't listen. Be willing to change. Let the word, when revelation comes to you about the word, let the word cause you to change. Well, I've been doing that, and I thought I've been doing okay, you know, and growing in the Lord and stuff, but apparently your word says I shouldn't be doing that. And God says, yep, that's right. You need to quit it. It's holding you back. Okay. So you can change it. He says, behold, I am against those who prophesy false dreams in verse 32. I am against those who prophesy false dreams. Be careful of people who come out with a dream and say, you know, Church of America needs to do this because I had a dream. I had a vision. Most times I see in the Word of God, folks, when they had a vision, they had a dream, God told them what they were supposed to do, not what everyone else was supposed to do for them. What they were supposed to do. Listen to what God has to say. As we put in your outline, there are false or even non-meaningful dreams. Don't try and bring a meaning out of it. If you had a dream and it's meant for you and God is speaking to you, you will know God is speaking to me. You'll know it. Don't sit there and wonder. You will know. Zechariah 10, verse 2. For the idols speak delusion. The diviners envision lies and tell false dreams. They comfort in vain. Therefore, the people wend their way like sheep. They are in trouble because there is no shepherd. There are false idols out there. There are false gods out there that want to send dreams and visions to people to get them to alter their way from the Word of God. Be careful with it. Watch out. A dream and a vision does not replace the Word of God. The reason that Mary was attracted to, to, to God to, br- to bring that vision to her was because of the way that she had honored the Word, held on to the Word. Same thing with Joseph. In uh, Joel chapter 2, verse 28, we have all know this, this verse. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. So how many of you consider yourself old? You're going to dream dreams. How many of you consider yourself young? (laughs) You're going to see visions. I don't know what it is. Maybe the young people are awake more than the older people are. Maybe it's just that simple. But whatever it is, is your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. If you're young, expect to see visions. If you're old, expect to dream dreams. This is going to come about. When God pours out his spirit. So it's going to come about for you. You can dream dreams. 
and have visions. Don't seek after them. But know they can come. And when they come, who are they going to speak to? They're going to speak to you. Go through the Word of God yourself. Find the places where dreams are. Who was the dream supposed to speak to? The person who got it. Who was the vision supposed to speak to? The person who got it. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. His dream had significance as far as a nation was concerned. Most dreams don't have that. Why was it given to a heathen king? Because the only way to make that dream become prominent in that country was to give it to the leader. But the leader couldn't understand it. But Daniel was going to be brought to the forefront because God gave the interpretation to Daniel. The dream, he saw the vision, and he got the interpretation, and he brought it out. And it had great significance. It put Daniel on the map. From that point on, he's not dealing with Nebuchadnezzar. He's dealing with Daniel. Because Daniel has shown he's the real deal. God was able to bring that about. But most time a dream and a vision is given, it is to deal with the person who received the dream or the vision. But false dreams will come to people. God has determined, you know, you're not ready to handle a dream. You're not ready to handle a vision. But there are other false things out there that are ready to send you a vision and a dream and send you off on the wrong path. Be careful. Now, to some, he will speak concerning others. There are some, well, I put this in your outline first. God speaks to his people through dreams and visions, but to some, he will speak concerning others. <clears throat> to some, not all. It is not promised in the word of God that God will speak to you about anyone else. But as you grow in the body of Christ, and as you become one of his ministers, one whom he can trust, he will begin to speak to you about other people. A little bit of first, see how you handle it. And the word of God tells us how we are supposed to handle correction with other people. Quietly, in private, in such a way to restore them, not to embarrass them, not to tear them down. And if you handle that, then he's going to give you more. And then he'll give you more. And then he'll give you more. You've got prophets in the Old Testament who were given visions about kings, and they went and they told them about it. Those things happen, but it doesn't happen with everybody. Just because it happened with some doesn't mean it happens with all. You've got to get to yourself to that place that God can trust you with it. To some, he will speak concerning others. But what we need to do is to hear what God is saying to you. Hear what God is saying to you. In the Christmas story, we have a vision coming to Mary. We have a dream coming to Joseph. Each of those things told Mary and told Joseph what they were to do, not what everyone else was supposed to do for them. I don't know that it ever happened. There's no indication of it happening in the Word. But if you were Mary or Joseph, would you have liked to have used your vision or your dream against people coming against you? As far as I know, they never did. A dream or a vision speaks to you. And in the case with Joseph, you start telling it to other people. Joseph number two, the Old Testament one. If you start telling it to other people, they start hearing your dream in light of themselves. And they will come up with a wrong meaning and a wrong emphasis. The emphasis of Joseph's dream was not that his brothers and his mother and his father would bow down. The emphasis was, Joseph, you are being brought to a place of leadership, to a place of rulership, to a place I am going to count on you. And I need you to get ready for it. And Joseph got himself ready. But by telling it to other people, it didn't help. 
As we think about this Christmas season, we think about the word that came to Joseph, the word that came to Mary. We think about how it did. Sometimes we might say, Paul, I want to have a dream. I want to have a vision. If you need one, God will send one. But just understand, if he sends something really strong, he knows opposition is coming that is also really strong. Thank God you got called to something that has real strong opposition. (laughs) But just know, no matter what it is you do for God, it will always be an act of faith. Whatever revelation you get, the opposition will always seem a little bit greater. And you'll have to believe that what God said is true. And you'll have to hang on to it. It will never be easy. Think of it this way. Jesus was in the garden. How sure was Jesus of his purpose here on on earth? How much had gone on with revelation from God? Spirit of God coming down upon him the things that he knew about his father, the conversations that that we had. And yet, he's in the garden, and he says, Father, this cup cannot pass from me, and let your will be done instead of mine. He still desired to go a different way. Revelation will never overcome your desire to do something against God or against what God has called or to give in to pressure or opposition. You have to decide that on your own. Joseph and Mary did, and they stayed with it. I guess when we get to heaven, we can hear all the rest of the stories, how hard it was, because I'm sure it was pretty difficult. Just as your life has had its own difficulties, and God has given you some revelation for where you are right now. Sometimes we always want that little bit more. Just be careful. You ask God for something a little bit more, something else might be willing to step up. And a false stream and a false vision can come in and steer you away from what God has said to do, from what God's word has told you to do. Don't ever let that happen. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you that you do speak to us, that you have not forgotten us. We've gone through some tough times. We've gone through some hard times. We've gone through some some places where it just seems very difficult to get through. And we sometimes just want to beg and plead and say, Father God, please give me a visitation, a dream, a vision, something. Tell me I'm on the right path. Tell me I'm doing the right thing. Sometimes we get discouraged when it doesn't come. Father, all the revelation we need comes to us. We need to have faith in you for that. We know what we are to do, but opposition will always seem to be greater. But we need to stand follow after what you have told us to do how many times in your word you told somebody one time what they were supposed to do and they were supposed to follow it for the rest of their life you didn't keep coming and retelling them a few times you told them a second or third time or just to reaffirm with them but they needed to hold on and we need to do the same we need to get tougher we need to be ready for the opposition that comes knowing that it will come For we are more than able to overcome. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.